If you like what you hear on this episode, you're going to want to come check out my new podcast called the Unfuck Your Brain Podcast. What you're listening to right now, The Lawyer's Stress Solution, has ceased production of new episodes. But Unfuck Your Brain is rocking and rolling. Every week, I release a new episode of the Unfuck Your Brain podcast, teaching you the same great tools for taming your brain, but with even more applications to other areas of your life. You can search for it by name. Remember, there's an asterisk instead of the U in unfuck because we like to be polite. Or just click the link to it in the podcast description for this show. I'll see you over there. You're listening to The Lawyer Stress Solution, the only podcast that teaches you cognitive science-based techniques specifically created for lawyers. Learn how to manage your lawyer brain and conquer the stress, anxiety, and overwhelm of lawyer life. Here's your host, former lawyer and certified master coach, Cara Lowenthal. Hello, my Esquires. Can you believe it's already half of the way through August? It's kind of blowing my mind how quickly the summer went. And it always feels like when fall starts, it's like back to school time, <laughs> even though I haven't been in school for a very long time. But I feel like summer starts to wrap up, we have our last hurrah, and then it's like time to get down in business. So in that very serious mode, today I'm going to talk about how to be more productive. There's a lot of elements being more productive. Today I'm going to really talk about some of the mental aspects and then also something you can start practicing in your own life to help you be more productive. I also, when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, I actually have a whole organizational and work management system I teach, which also helps with productivity. And actually, you guys would probably like to know about that too. So maybe I'll teach about that on a future podcast. So all of that is to say there are kind of workflow things you can do to be more productive, but that stuff doesn't matter if you don't get your head in the right place, right? Like we can all read books about how to structure your work or how to be more organized, but if you don't have your thinking in place, then it doesn't really matter what you learn. You won't do it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I think that this is important to a lot of you because in almost every mini session I do with one of y'all, you have two main complaints, anxiety and productivity, which actually are really related. I've talked about anxiety a lot on the podcast. So today we're going to talk about productivity. But again, productivity actually is really related to anxiety. And that actually reminds me, so quick announcement, I am taking off the second half of August. So if you've been wanting to sign up for a free mini session with me and you haven't gotten around to it yet, there are only a couple of spots left for the rest of the month. So normally I do three a week, but a lot of them are already taken for the last few days that I'm working in August. So you are going to want to hustle if you haven't yet and go over to www.thelawyerstresssolution.com forward slash mini session and sign up because once they're gone, that's it until September. All right, let's get down to business. I have a two-part solution to boosting productivity. Number one, you have to learn how to be more productive. And number two, you have to learn how to be less productive. I know that doesn't make sense, but stay with me. It's going to. Being more productive has a lot to do with being less productive. But first, we're going to talk about the affirmative steps you can take to be more productive when you're working. The number one thing you can do to be more productive is reduce your anxiety. And anxiety is the number one productivity killer. Humans do not like to feel anxiety. Right? We talk about this all the time on the podcast. 
Your brain does not like it. Your body does not like it. When you feel anxious, you will do whatever you can to avoid whatever you think is causing your anxiety, right? When you get anxious around a person, you don't want to be around them. When you get anxious thinking about a conversation, you put it off. When you get anxious about responding to a client, you ignore the email for as long as you can. When you get anxious about an assignment, you get on Facebook and look at your, you know, ex boyfriend's new girlfriend's baby pictures, <laughs> right? We avoid when we're anxious. So that means if you're feeling anxious about your work, your brain will want to avoid it. That's why you feel so busy, right? You end up on Facebook or eating or staring out the window, whatever you can come up with to avoid. Now, obviously, when you avoid your work, your productivity goes down. So that's the first way anxiety reduces your productivity. It makes you avoid it. So you just do less of it, right? It's like basic math. Two plus two is four. The second way anxiety reduces your productivity or produces your unproductivity, either way, is that an anxious brain is not a clear thinking brain, right? Think about all the crazy things you've believed when you've been anxious, right? When we're anxious, paranoid explanations for things start to seem totally legitimate or rational to us. Right when we're anxious, we're kind of obsessed with the thing we're thinking about, and we can't believe other people aren't thinking about the same thing. When we're anxious, we're just like not at our sanest. We lose the ability to think clearly and rationally. And that means we also have trouble differentiating reasonable arguments from unreasonable arguments. Our thinking gets cloudy and confused. Now, when you're having trouble thinking, you're obviously going to have trouble being productive. So if you want to improve your productivity, you have to reduce your anxiety. And the way to reduce your anxiety is, say with me, class, change your thoughts. And we talk about this all the time, right? Anxiety is a physiological process in your body that is mainly comprised of the release of cortisol and adrenaline. These hormones produce the physical symptoms that you associate with stress, right? Your heart starts to beat faster, so you get rapid heart rate. Your muscles tense up so you can run faster. Your breathing often becomes fast and shallow. What sets off that physiological process is the thoughts you're thinking about your work. So your thoughts are directly related to your productivity, to your anxiety. When you think, I don't know how to do this, or I'm going to screw this up, or I'm going to look like an idiot and it's going to harm my reputation, what you're really doing is you're summoning up a mental danger, right? You are creating the specter of something to fear and telling your brain to be afraid, your brain, the part of your brain that recognizes danger and fear is the part of your brain you share with a lizard. <laughs> Lawyer brain is like lizard brain. Your brain thinks it's a real physical danger. It does not understand the difference. And your brain's response to physical danger is to produce stress and anxiety. So this is supposed to help you run faster and fight harder if necessary. Totally useful if you're about to get eaten. But since your work assignment isn't a bear, it's not super helpful in modern day life. That's why the first way to produce your productivity is to release your anxiety, right? It's not just sort of a will it away kind of thing. When you are thinking thoughts that make you anxious, your body is literally releasing hormones into your body. Your brain is releasing hormones into your body that cause these physical sensations and that reduce your cognitive power, right? They make you hyper-focus on the thing you're afraid of, which is not the work in the sense, right? You would think it would be great, like, oh, well, if I'm freaked out about the brief, I'll just hyper-focus on it and do a really good job. That is not how it works. Your brain is afraid of the danger that you'll screw up. 
So it thinks about how you might screw up obsessively, which actually keeps you from doing a good job on the brief. Do you understand the distinction? Your thoughts about the brief are what make you anxious. But it's not really your thought about the brief itself. It's your thought about what the brief means, right? What will happen if you don't do a good job? What is the danger that will happen to you from how you do the brief? So that's what your brain focuses on. When your brain is afraid, it hyper-focuses on the danger. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to fail. People are going to think I'm a bad lawyer. That's what your brain hyper-focuses on. It does not hyper-focus on how to do an awesome job on the brief, right? It hyper-focuses on the thing you fear, the harm to your reputation or what your, you know, feeling of failure, your feeling of fear. So the first way to boost your productivity is to release all of that anxiety, right? If you can release the hyper-focus on the danger, then you can consciously turn your focus where you want it, which is to actually do a good job on the assignment, to actually get your work done. So in order to do that, you have to figure out what you're thinking that's making you anxious, and then you have to change those thoughts to something believable. So I know that sounds easier said than done. It is definitely an art, right? It's not a science. But you can learn to do it with practice. You just have to experiment. You have to brainstorm some new things you might think and see if you believe any of them. So for instance, if you find that you're not being productive because you're procrastinating or you're zoning out or you're just having trouble thinking straight because you're anxious, you need to ask yourself, what are you anxious about? So let's say the answer is you're trying to prepare to argue a motion. And if I lose this motion, everyone at the firm is going to think I'm a terrible lawyer. Let's say that is the the bear, the lion, the danger that your brain is conjuring up. It's making you anxious. So if you need to think of something new to believe, one question you could ask yourself is, what would I say to a friend in this situation? Right? If a friend said to you, I'm really nervous about arguing this motion, what if I screw up and everyone in the firm thinks I'm a terrible lawyer? You would probably not be like, yeah, that's a good point. What if you do screw up and everyone thinks you're a terrible lawyer? You should probably freak out about this. Right? You would never say that to a friend because you would think that was silly. What would you say? You might say, you're a great lawyer. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Or you might say, I don't think your reputation is going to be built on just what happens with this motion. Or you might say, all you can do is do your best. The judge is the one who decides and you can't control that. Right? Those are things you might say to someone else with the rational part of your brain. So one way to come up with a new thought for yourself is to ask yourself, what would I say to someone else in this situation? And brainstorm a few things and then see if you can believe any of those. You'll know you believe it if when you think it, you feel a little bit better. That's how you know it's a thought that you believe and that it's a thought you should start practicing on purpose. This is one of the things that I know is challenging about this work. In fact, it's often what I work on in my free mini sessions with you guys is how to figure out a new thought you can believe, right? So if you've been trying to do this, but you you sort of get to your old thought or your current thought that's causing anxiety, and then your brain goes blank and you're like, well, I don't know what else I could believe. That's a really common place to get stuck. It doesn't mean you can't do this. It does not mean your brain is broken. It's just a new skill that you don't know how to do. If you're having that experience, that's actually a really great reason to sign up for one of my free mini sessions, which again, it's thelawyerstresssolution.com forward slash mini session. It's really, really common. And it doesn't mean that you need to like give up hope on changing your thoughts. It just means you need like a little help, a little boost, a little kickstart to try to start learning how to think new thoughts on purpose. So totally common. That's what the mini sessions are for, because I don't want you people suffering (laughs) when you really don't have to be. All right. So 
Coming up with a new thought you can believe that relieves your anxiety is one way to boost your productivity. That's how you get more productive. By clearing out your anxiety so you can focus on the work you have. The number two productivity killer really takes you in a totally different direction. And that is shame. And shame is why you sometimes have to get less productive in order to get more productive. I know that sounds really counterintuitive, so let me explain. When I do a mini session, one of the things I often ask is, what do you feel most of the time? And a lot of you say anxiety, but a close second is guilt and shame, right? And those kind of are often interchangeable for people. And so often that's tied up in ideas of productivity, right? So many of us have this inchoate belief. You know what? Honestly, you guys, I never know how to say that word. Inchoate, inchoate. I don't know. I hope you'll stay with me anyway. We have this belief that productivity is a moral issue. Being productive is good. Not being productive is bad. And if we aren't being productive, we should feel ashamed of ourselves. I really want to pause on this because I think for most of you, it's so ingrained that productivity is good that you actually didn't even understand what I just said. I was coaching a really good friend of mine the other day who's a super, super smart woman. And we went over this for like half an hour because she was so kind of flabbergasted and almost offended that I was suggesting that it wasn't better, quote unquote, to be productive than to not be productive. That productivity didn't have to have a moral status. It didn't make you a better person. It didn't make you more moral. It didn't make you more virtuous, right? That productivity is not a moral issue. It's not better in some existential sense than being not productive. Now, it might be better for getting through your to-do list, right? We talked about that part number one kind of. But in terms of feeling, that's just factual, right? That's like it's better to use a hammer to hit a nail than a bowl of soup. <laughs> like one of the things works better than the other. But it's not moral. It's not a moral value. It's just ineffective, right? So there's a difference between, well, being productive would help me accomplish this task. It's just a good functional tool, and being productive is morally better. Like I can feel like a better person. It's just better in some general existential value sense, right? Those are two really different things. So for those of us who believe that being productive is good, right, in some sense of the good, and being not being productive is bad, it's a quick step to if we're not being productive, we should feel guilty or ashamed, so there are a couple of problems with this. I mean, listen, number one, shame is just not a really fun feeling, right? Humans are have evolved to be very social animals. Shame is one of the emotions that we find really intolerable, right? Because it's often used as a social conditioning and cohesion tool in society. And so we've just evolved. It's just really unpleasant to feel shame. Number two, shame is exhausting. When you're ashamed or guilty, you feel physically tired and low. It drains your emotional energy and leaving you with even less energy to get anything done. I talk a lot about anxiety draining your energy, and I think it really does. But with anxiety, often there's sort of an upswell in nervous energy, and then you're exhausted after the adrenaline and the cortisol leave your system. With shame, I find you're exhausted immediately. When you feel guilty, when you feel ashamed, you're just zero energy right away, right? You just want to hide. So that obviously does not help with your productivity. And so number three, the problem, the third problem with shame is that when shame is involved, productivity becomes a constantly moving target. 
right? When you are judging yourself on a moral basis for your productivity, you will never feel good enough. It's a lot like perfectionism. If you all listen to that podcast, if not, you should go back and listen to it. What I teach about perfectionism is that perfectionism is the lie your brain tells you that if you just get good enough, your brain will let you feel okay, right? It keeps moving the target. Like if you get into this school, if you get this grade, if you get this job, if you finish this assignment, if you get promoted, if you get a bonus, if you get this boyfriend, if you get this girlfriend, if you clean your house, like whatever it is, right? Perfectionism keeps moving the target, keeps saying, if you just do this next thing, you'll get to feel good. Productivity is the same way. When you are driven by shame in terms of your productivity and your beliefs about it, you'll never feel productive enough. Because the truth is, unless you're dead, you could be working, right? Take that logic to the extreme, you always could be working more. And especially if you're a lawyer, right? Or an entrepreneur, as I've discovered, a lot of things in common. So that's the third problem with using shame as a motivating tool in productivity is you'll never feel like you're productive enough. Your brain just will not let you if you hold on to the idea that your productivity is moral. I think the belief that being productive is good in a moral sense is so hard for many of us to shake because it's so culturally ingrained. So I think it's really a combination of the two of the strongest strands of America's cultural traditions, which are Puritanism and capitalism. If you just think about the traditional Christian sayings, right, idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? The Puritans believed that hard work was the path to righteousness. And so that belief that work is virtuous has really been part of American culture since the beginning. And that belief is magnified by capitalism. You know, so I'm an entrepreneur. I'm obviously not anti-capitalist. But it's true that capitalism makes a virtue out of productivity, and unless you're working for yourself, that productivity generally benefits your employer, not you. So the idea that we should always be working, right, that work is sort of the default state of life with maybe a little leisure on the side, is a very culturally specific idea. It's really an American one, right? We know that there are countries that are that operate in under conditions of capitalism in, let's say, parts of Europe where even so, the kind of notion that labor is virtuous and should be happening all the time and people should always be working is very culturally different. And I, you know, talk about this because it really can be helpful to see where we got some of our ideas, right? If you believe your thoughts, like, well, I have this thought, it must be true. You're in for a lot of suffering in your life. <laughs> if you can see where some of your thoughts came from, it can help you get that perspective, right? So when you notice that you sort of think you should always be working and that you feel guilty when you're not working, understanding that that's kind of a cultural obsession that we currently have that is not true everywhere, I think is helpful in wiggling that loose a little bit in your brain, that it might be optional to feel ashamed when you're not being productive constantly, and that you grew up in a particular place, those of you who are American listening to this, that kind of created really fertile conditions in your brain for that idea to take hold. And this is very true for lawyers also, right? A professional kind of occupation where you're often told that you're in a service industry. Like if you work for a firm, you're in a service industry. If you work in a nonprofit, you're doing it for the cause, right? Everybody has a ton of work. If you're working in a firm, you're often billing hours above and beyond any normal work schedule. If you're working in a nonprofit, you're often working that much too. You're just not billing it. Right. So we're also in a profession that has certain conditions that really are fertile for the idea that you always could be doing more work and that you should be. Should is always a killer. If you're thinking the word should, you are feeling shame, guaranteed. 
So you combine Puritanism and capitalism, and what you get is this sense that work is omnipresent and productivity is a moral good, and the more productive you are, the better you can feel about yourself. So obviously the flip side is when you're not being quote-unquote productive, you're going to feel guilty. So it's really been on my mind this week because I actually caught my brain falling into old patterns about this very thing this weekend, which is why I wanted to record this podcast. I run my own business, so of course there's always stuff I could be doing. That's been the case the whole time I was a lawyer too, right? When I was litigating, there was always stuff to be doing. When I was an academic, there really was always stuff to be doing, right? I could always be producing more scholarship or always doing more work. And I ran a think tank. And when you're the boss, you could always be doing more, right? And now I have my own coaching practice and I could always be doing more. I could always be creating more material. I could always be figuring out how to let new people know about what I offer. I could always be recording more podcasts, right? I could always be working. There will never not be stuff to do until I retire or I die. (laughs) That's how it is. So I spent last weekend away with my family and I love my family, but it is not the most relaxing way to spend a weekend when you're on a tiny beach house together and it rains. So I came back from that. I went straight into my work week. I had a really full work week. I had clients all day, right? I was really busy. So it got to be Saturday this past weekend and I just did not want to move. Like, I think I didn't leave my apartment for 24 or 36 hours. I slept like 12 hours Friday night, which is extremely unusual for me because you know, I'm not a teenager anymore. I slept for like 12 hours. I woke up. I did not leave my apartment on Saturday. I don't think I even turned on my computer. I read a novel. I watched a whole bunch of bad TV. I ate some good food. I texted my partner, but I didn't even see him. I saw no one. I went nowhere. And then I think I probably took a nap in the middle of all that really arduous doing nothing. And then I slept like another 12 hours the next night. And it was glorious, but it was also really, really hard because my brain was creating a lot of guilt and shame. I kept thinking there was something wrong with me for being so tired that I should be doing work or I should be doing something more productive that wasn't work. Like I should go for a walk or I should go to a museum or I should read something educational or I should Marie Kondo my closets, right? Or whatever, that I should be doing something more productive. And I'd actually took some self-coaching for me to allow myself to just take those 24 or 36, whatever it was, hours, and just do absolutely nothing. So I really had to, what I tell you guys to do all the time, I absolutely do, which is I notice I was feeling guilty and some shame. And I asked myself what was going on. And I realized I was having these thoughts that I should be doing something else right? And I practiced just noticing those and seeing how they were making me feel. And then I practiced thinking thoughts that would allow me to enjoy the time, right? And just I practiced thoughts like, this is what my body is telling me I need. And I'll be more productive if I give myself this time to really do nothing, right? I practiced thoughts I could believe that helped me feel like it was okay to take that time. In the end, it was totally worth it. I did it. (laughs) I made it through the difficult task of doing nothing. I woke up on Sunday and I had energy again. I went to a cafe and I did some work. And then I met my partner and we went to a museum and we went for a walk in Central Park. Right? I had a really full, lovely day in my business with him, with art and culture, with physical movement. But it was only possible because I let myself completely vegetate the day before. So that's what I mean when I say sometimes you have to do less to do more. It is so hard for us to feel okay taking any time off. For some of us, it's hard not to be working. 
For others of us, we'll allow a break for ourselves from work work as long as we're spending it like training for a marathon or doing a vision journal or cooking a 36-course meal from scratch, right? But if you notice when your brain is thinking that you should be doing more or you should be more productive, you'll start to notice that thinking that way doesn't motivate you to do more, right? It actually just makes you feel shame. Just like we've talked a lot about how telling yourself you don't have enough time and you need to hurry up and you might do a bad job does not motivate you to do a good job and be efficient, right? Anxiety is not motivating. The same is true for shame and guilt. They don't motivate you to get quote unquote productive. They just make you feel drained, which means you're, you end up half working, half checking Facebook, procrastinating, not actually enjoying your time off right? So when you've tried to take time off, if it doesn't feel any better the next day, it's because you didn't actually let yourself have time off or you didn't let yourself have enough time off. If you take time off, but you're keeping an eye on your work email, you're not really taking time off. Now, I know some of you are in situations in which you really are expected to check your work email pretty frequently, even on weekends. And that's fine. That doesn't mean that you can't even take half an hour, right? Half an hour where you put your phone down and you tell yourself you don't have to do anything else. No matter what your job is, there are small pockets available to you. Now, the first time you let yourself take a break, it's going to feel like a gamble, right? You're not working that hour or you're not working that afternoon. You're not working that day. And you don't yet know for sure that you're going to earn it back and increased focus afterwards. I can tell you that, but until you experience it, you'll probably be skeptical. So that's why I say to start small, right? Set aside an hour at night that you are not supposed to work or do anything productive, Sit in a park, watch a TV show you really like if you can focus on it, not also check your phone. Call a friend, read a magazine, stare at the wall, get a massage, right? Whatever you do, I want you to repeat the mantra, this is all I'm supposed to be doing right now. And if you take that hour and then you get an email berating you for taking an hour off, to go back and listen to the podcast episode on working with difficult people, there's a solution to that. So if you start with a small amount of time, you'll be able to experience the rewards you get from truly enjoying time off. Like I said, this is not going to work if you're thinking about work the whole time. So you need to pick a small enough amount of time that you can actually relax. Some of you that might be a whole day already, and some of you that might be 15 minutes. It's okay, just start anywhere. Just start with a small period of time during which you can tell yourself, all I'm supposed to be doing right now is enjoying this thing, whatever it is you decide to do, whether it's staring at the wall or going for a walk or reading a novel or taking a nap. Now, when you practice this, you're probably going to feel guilty and ashamed, right? You're going to notice that those thoughts are coming up. And that's what I want you to remind yourself, not only number one, this is all I'm supposed to be doing, but also I feel this guilt and shame because of how I was culturally conditioned, right? You can say it however you want, but the idea is you just have been believing that those thoughts are true, that you should feel bad, that it's bad to not be productive, that it's not, that it's less morally valuable. And so I want you to really practice pushing back against that idea right, and noticing that there's no objective sort of, <laughs> there's certainly no scientific reason or no objective reason that being productive is morally better than not being productive. Like that getting stuff done, quote unquote, is bet morally better than not getting stuff done. And believing that is actually making you less productive, right? So allow some space to doubt that proposition that your brain is telling you. Like allow some space in your brain to contemplate the idea that whether or not you do any particular task 
is not a reflection of your worth as a person. I know that's mind-blowing for some of you, but just think about it. All right, so I'm going to be enjoying some non-productive vacation time the end of August, like I mentioned, but I have some great podcasts lined up for you while I'm away, and there's a bonus. You should check out the August 21st episode of the podcast Hustle and Flow. It's hosted by Heather Hubbard, who's a business development coach, and I'm going to be on that episode, the August 21st episode, talking about lawyer brain and procrastination and my journey to becoming a life coach for lawyers. So you can get an extra dose of me next week. Check it out. And I will talk to y'all soon. If this episode resonated with you, you need to come check out The Clutch. Because once you've learned how to coach yourself, we have a whole bonus course called How to Get Really Fucking Organized. It's exactly what it sounds like. There's a video module and a workbook that walks you through the exact system and process that I used and I still use to build and manage a multi-million dollar business from scratch, see family, see friends, have time to date and for hobbies, get to the gym and still have time to relax and enjoy my life. If you've ever dealt with overwhelm or stress or overflowing inboxes or endless to-do lists, in other words, if you've ever been a human living in modern times, this course will change your life. And you'll get tons of support from the Clutch community and expert guidance whenever you need it to help you apply and keep applying these principles so that you can implement the system and truly transform your work life and every other part of your life too. You can learn how to accomplish more than you ever have before without the stress. It truly is possible. Just go to unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch, or you can just text your email address to 347 934 8861 and we will text you right back a link to a mobile site where you can read all about the clutch and decide there if you want to join i hope you will because i know it will change your life see you in there